welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston. Join as always. My mic is very far away. Whoa, my God. My mic is like super fucked up. Batman. <laughs> oh, man. Off to a great start with this episode. All right. You like how I did a gritty reboot of my own introduction there? Boo! No! <laughs> too too much of a call forward. <laughs> too much of a call forward. You read the episode title. You know what, we're, what you're in for. I don't know what you're going to call this. I'm going to call it completely something different. That's not going to be misleading. No, I'm just going to call it straight up completely something different. Okay. Like, quote, completely something different, unquote. Okay. Because, I mean, it actually it does kind of make sense because yeah. Gritty Rubits are something completely different. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, right. uh, my name is Preston. Join us always in my delightful co-host. That I already said it. his name. Uh, Matt, what have you been... Uh, two. Liking, subscribing, and telling a oh, friend. Oh shit, that's right. <laughs> check out our <laughs> check out our Twitter. We got one of those. Apparently, mm-hmm. Justice Losers Pod at Twitter dot com. That's not how that works, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, I'll start with the chest stuff. Um, chest so, stuff. Chest stuff. Have you been burying your face in some chests? Yes, indeed. Nice. Uh, I dig it. So the World Chess Championship has started as of yesterday. Why was that necessary right in the middle of <laughs> what I was saying? I was pulling... <laughs> I was pulling up my screenshots to find where I took screenshots of my notes or my my uh, news, and that popped up. <laughs> so I just just to explain oh, what it is. Um, if it, it, so, there was this meme or thing. There's this old lady that's got like a really interesting like kind of a round egg shaped body and head and she's just kind of like and her eyes are really sunken in she got a pretty long nose uh oh no she doesn't have a long she has a short nose i believe and like her mouth is really sunken in and it looks like the classic like when you're talking with no tea kind of thing and it just says what like w-a-t what uh this thing has been happening recently with pictures where people will make them 3d Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you can kind of like choose points in the thing that are further forward and then you can kind of rotate around it and this one was done really poorly <laughs> so like I would, I would tilt my phone and it would just severely distort her face i'm gonna post some of these on our instagram so instead of twitter go to our instagram check out our instagram where also you'll see some of this shit <laughs> there's three of them and they are terrifying <laughs> Oh God! Uh, so what have I been so doing? Chest I've been things. having some nightmares because of what you just showed me. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So the World Chess Championship started. Um, an American is playing for the first time since Bobby Fischer in 1972. Uh, Fabiano Caruana. Hey, congratulations, against, Fabio! Against the current world champion Magnus Carlsen. It's a 12 game match. I know that name. Yeah, because I watched someone try to learn enough chess to beat Magnus Carlsen in one week or one month or something. You saw that too. I, yeah, it was like the first day or something. I was like, "This is not going to happen." It was no, that was hilarious. Was I, it? I read his entire because he did like a journal of his entire time trying to learn how to do it. Uh-huh. It was hilariously pathetic. Really, it was one of the most sad things I've ever read. Oh my god, but it was so funny. Like what? What was wrong with it? Uh, he was trying to come up with like an algorithmic solution to the game oh yeah he does that that's well i was reading some of his other stuff like yeah. about about some of his other stuff and that's like what he does he's got like a perfect memory or something yeah no, he can like memorize all these different possibilities and it just he's an he's an impressive guy but 
that was never going to happen. Yeah. And also the news coverage of that was really irresponsible. Um, the Wall Street Journal, which wrote like the main article that yeah. kind of brought it to prominence, uh, said that the this challenger, this random guy, was winning after about 10 moves, which is a complete mischaracterization of what happened. What happened was he memorized a fairly basic opening and got a normal opening position after about 10 moves which if you plug it into a computer gives it a marginal advantage for white but less than if you plug in the starting position before either side has made a move huh so anyway all right um yeah so world championships going on two games have been played as of right now saturday night uh both of them draws the first one was 115 moves in close to seven hours good god i think close to a record for world championship for both um the second game was shorter um first game carlson was pressing the entire time uh and i was like okay carlson is just dead he's not gonna survive this match at all but the second game he actually was pressing the entire time so okay we'll see 10 games to play plus possible playoff if they're tied so where are you in all this where am i at home it's been it's what you've been up to live, live coverage i've been at home watching the live okay coverage. uh <laughs> Um, I've also been watching the women's world championship, which for some reason is going on at the same time. And for some reason is the second one this year. And for some reason is structured as a 64 player bracket knockout tournament, which is a terrible way to determine a chess world champion. Huh. Cause there's enough randomness in the results then Yeah, that like, so the, the main governing body of chess did the world championship like that for a couple of years, and most people don't recognize those champions as legitimate champions. Oh, that sucks. Like, they're good. They're really good players. They were borderline top 10 at yeah. their peak, but not world championship caliber. Mm-hmm. And so the there were other people that split off, like the current world champion before that, and kept the cycle alive with yeah. like match where you have to defeat the current title holder to get the mm-hmm. new title. So... Yeah, it's it makes for good theater, but it's a terrible way to determine the world champion. Fortunately, the new president of FIDE, the International Chess Federation, is probably going to change that. Mm-hmm. He said something to that effect. Um, but the tournament has been kind of interesting. I got to see bishop and knight checkmate in action. King and bishop and knight versus lone king. It's cool. Nobody it's, knows what that means. It's pretty rare, but it's kind of cool. It's, it's basically the least material you can have and still force a checkmate. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So... That was fun to see. Uh, also in chess news, I did something this week that I've never done before. I beat a Grandmaster. Holy shit! Yeah. You found a KKK Grandmaster and beat the fuck out of I him? I did. Good! Fun. Woo! Fuck racists. <laughs> <laughs> no. <it was> anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, yeah. Uh, yesterday, online chess game and played a Grandmaster and beat him. Cool. So. Are you a Grandmaster now? No. That, that's not how that oh, works. That is not even remotely how that works. It's not like a King of the Hill kind of thing where you just <laughs> no. like... <laughs> I don't get anything for beating a Grandmaster on chess.com except a few chess.com rating points. And now I can say I beat a Grandmaster. So, like, does that actually help your normal rating at all? No. At all? No. Ah. Normal rating is only affected by actual tournaments. That's dumb. So, yeah, it's a good way to keep things consistent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've also been up to non-chess stuff. Movie Pass and its infinite benevolence has finally started working and letting me go to actually see movies occasionally. Oh, yeah, you went to see a movie the other day. I went to see two movies this week. Oh. Um, I saw The Old Man and the Gun, which is Robert Redford's last movie because he retired, although he also came out and said, maybe I'm not retired, actually. Yeah, movie stars. <laughs> um, 
have we had any movie movie stars like stay retired or do they just die? Uh, I'm pretty sure they just die. Sean Connery has retired. Has he? And stayed retired thus far. Okay. Yeah. Watch him do one more movie and then die in the middle of filming it. Probably. It's like it just, it just, it just. No one just retires. No one retires. They just die right after the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so old Stop man, and, old man and the gun. Uh, it's a true story about a um. Robert Redford plays a septuagenarian bank robber who just has an enormous amount of fun going around robbing banks. Oh, that's right. I did see him. I didn't yeah. hear about that. Yeah. Uh, it's not He's like, like super polite about it. Too. Yeah. It's, it's not a brilliant world changing movie. It's mm-hmm. kind of just fluffy, but it's almost like aggressively anti-cynical and just a lot of fun to watch. And mm-hmm. it's a great farewell performance for him. It lets him okay. be like peak charming movie star. Yeah. So it must've just been a lot of fun to make and do. And it's, mm-hmm. it's fun. Okay. Uh, and then the other one I saw is uh, I finally saw Star is Born. And? It's really good. Really? I'm kind of thinking that this might be a year where we have two well-known actors nominated for both, both Best Actor and Best Director for the first time for their first directorial effort. Well, okay. Wait, what? Was that really... Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper directed and starred. Oh, cool. And John Krasinski for Black yeah. Place, of course. Good for him! Yeah. It's it's a legitimately great That's movie. a really weird voice. Yeah. Good for weird. him! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's... Um, I mean, it's a classic story, because this is the, the fourth, third, fourth, fourth iteration. Yeah, there's Lord. one in the 30s, one in the 50s, one in the 70s, and then this one. Um, it's a... So it's just, it's a good story. It's a story that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen any of the other versions, but I think, I'm sure this one puts some new and interesting spins on it. Uh, Bradley Cooper is phenomenal. Lady Gaga. That girl can sing. I mean, we all knew that. <laughs> She's she, kind of kooky, but we all knew that she can sing really well. Yeah. Also turns out she can act really well. <laughs> um, so. It's kind of a difficult watch, honestly. It gets really depressing. Uh. Um, but it's a really good movie. Okay. So, uh, and then I also watched a few movies at home. Um, I got, had a seven day free trial stars subscription because I needed that to watch saw last week for our other. Episode. Oh yeah. Uh, so I watched the orphanage on that, which is actually directed by Jay Bayona, who you might know as the guy behind Jurassic world Two, even Jurassic. <laughs> ah interesting (laughs) yeah okay um so it's a horror movie about a woman who grew up in an orphanage and now she's all grown and so she comes back and buys the orphanage and is gonna take care of some orphans there but her young son is maybe seeing imaginary friends that maybe are actually ghosts and spooky shenanigans ensue. okay sounds pretty straightforward yeah it's pretty straightforward it's uh well made it does a good job of building atmosphere um the main actress is really good um and the twist at the end is really solid and sort of changes the whole emotional palette in a really surprising way okay and it's it, it's satisfying and well-made and good movie so recommend that uh i've also also been trying to catch up on all the movies that i missed from 2017 um because i want to write at the end of the year a best movies of 2017 list because i have not seen all of them yet and then there's no way i'm going to see all the ones from 2018 yeah so uh, i watched uh fantastic woman which won best foreign language oscar 
Okay. Uh, I think it's a Chilean movie. Did you understand what was happening? Well, yeah, it had subtitles. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, although I could sort of follow the Spanish dialogue from what I remember from high school Spanish. Okay. Um, it's about a transgender woman who it just sort of follows her for a few days after her lover dies mm-hmm. and kind of the struggles she deals with. Um, the story didn't do a ton for me, but her performance was really good. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting story um, of how she got the role. The director was like, okay, I want to do a movie about the trans community. And I'm pretty sure it's chilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he hired this woman as a consultant just to come in and be like, here's kind of how this goes. This makes sense. This doesn't. And ended up offering her the role and she killed it. Cool. So I thought that was a really fun story. She's transgender, right? Yeah. Okay. She, he didn't just hire just a, like <laughs> just a woman to put, have her input on the transgender no. yeah. society. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's right. <laughs> So it's uh, it's really good. That's a question for my sister. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I wouldn't say it's like phenomenally good, but it's definitely good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also watched another one of the foreign language nominees, uh, Loveless, which is a slow, bitterly cynical, depressing Russian movie. Naturally, I loved it. Um, yeah, because you are a slow, bitterly depressing per- Russian person. Not Russian. You, you I speak, l- a, little you speak Russian. Russian. a little Russian. Um, it's about a couple who's going through a bitter divorce, and their twelve-year-old son um, goes missing while they're like in the midst of just arguing and being very unpleasant to each other. Good. And it's kind of just like, has he become a supervillain? No, he Good. just he just disappears, and it's mostly about them searching oh, for him. Not even close to mine. I just combined for Ross the <laughs> villain and the hero. No, I didn't. I just uh, wow. I man, I gotta start working on that again. I completely forgot like all of my characters. <laughs> you should you should watch this for a picture of a marriage just falling apart. Okay, and it's like it's just so many different ways that people can be awful to each other on a really small scale, mm-hmm. and it's intensely unpleasant but it's a really good movie okay um it's not one i'm probably gonna be able to force myself to watch again for a long time but i really liked it uh and then the last one i watched was call me by your name what's that one about uh that one's about uh well there's this professor and he's an american professor but he goes to italy the reason i said it in that voice is because i know what it's about but I am also prompting him to explain what it's about right. for the audience. So there's this professor, and he, <laughs> he spends every summer in Italy doing some sort Boys. of research on architecture or <laughs> uh, sculpture. And his 17-year-old son, and like his family comes along, including his 17-year-old son, played by break- last year's breakout star, Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he always hires a graduate student to come along as like a research assistant. And the graduate student is played by Army Hammer. And Army Hammer and the son fall in love and have a secret romance over the mm-hmm. course of the summer. Um, this is another one where the story did nothing for me, but the performances and the craftsmanship of the movie was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, th- like, just just from the setting, I felt 
sort of immersed in the in the world in a way that I don't often feel I can't remember feeling in mm-hmm. a movie before and the performances are really good I think Chalamet won an Oscar maybe I think he did he was definitely nominated yeah um but the story just I wasn't that interested in mm-hmm. it's just like okay this to is quote kind of a generic to quote uh John Mulaney, call me by your name, or, yeah, that's right, call yep. me by your name, more like, fuck me by act two. <laughs> Have you seen those videos? No. Oh, man, you gotta watch, uh, it's Nick Kroll and John Mulaney doing the opening monologue for, uh, I, I suppose more like a duologue, mm-hmm. uh, for the 2017 and 2018, uh, independent film awards. Wouldn't you call it a dialogue? Yeah, that actually is literally a dialogue. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I get, okay, okay two-person speech, what the fuck ever. Okay. Uh, but it's so funny. They're very funny. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, so less funny, that movie. It's 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 not <laughs> funny. It's kind of, um, I guess nostalgic is probably the word. It's sad, but not Bring, Brings you back to so. when you, and you fell in love with a... When I fell in love with Army Hammer. When you Army Hammer back in... Yeah. When you're in 17. Right. In Italy. Yep. Everyone does that. Uh, yeah, no. It's just like, a classic thing. It, it's it's a weird thing. Army Hammer, he just, like, you go to Italy if you're 17 and Army Hammer just appears and you fall in love with him. And he's like, I got to do it. It's my job. Yeah. And he's like, I'm real <laughs> sick of this, but I got to do it. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> um, Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I recommend it. I I suspect that a lot of people like it more than i did and i liked it mm-hmm. um but yeah it's good it's a good movie okay. i think that's all i've been up to it's a lot of movies you I watch know. a lot of movies i'm trying to scale it back down <laughs> but like i watched 25 horror movies in october which i talked about last week we were at 20 minutes i know <laughs> <laughs> um and so i'm trying to get myself out of that yeah out of that mode um i mean it's fine as long as you like have okay of those we should start doing this then if you're gonna do a whole okay. bunch of movies what one movie would you recommend out of all of them Ooh, uh putting you on the spot stars born is probably the most accessible but i think my favorite of those was loveless loveless the russian one right that's right so watch that one learn russian and watch that one or put on the subtitles that's okay too <laughs> <laughs> no learn russian uh i have been I the subtitles I finished Game of Thrones Season 7, so I'm caught up. Woot! What'd you think? I mean, I know what you think, but... But I can't wait till Season 8. Okay. Season 7 wasn't the best. I think it's definitively the worst. It is definitively the worst, but it is still significantly better than almost all other TV. Yeah. Uh, Way better than, like, you know, CW, Iron Fist, all that shit. Oh, yeah. Um, It's amazing. It's. I mean, it's, yeah, it's still amazing. It's by far the worst of them all, but like, it's still f- fantastic it's a, and very impressive. Thing. I I am excited that they. There are very few loose ends that I'm like really excited to see where this goes at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've pretty much tied up all like the most fascinating loose ends, and now right. it's pretty much just like. There's all these loose ends. There's four different directions they can go. You've pretty much expected, or you pretty much know all of the four that they can go conceivably. Mm-hmm. So we're just like. We'll just see where this goes. Yep. Um, well, except one. Jamie. Right. But 
I'm going to spend the next couple months watching it all again because I want to catch all the little nuances that hint towards future seasons mm-hmm. um, that freaking Andrew and Matt Walls watching all those seasons were like, Aah! like looking at each other, like talking about things. And now yep. I want to, you want to do that. I want to be part of that. That's, that's the fun part. <laughs> Game of Thrones is a great show on its own, but it's way more fun to watch other people watch it when they mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. Um, I have been, I had two, an exam and two quizzes on Thursday. So that was, that kind of took up a Thursday. Right. I have been playing RuneScape again. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> well, how's that going? Pretty good. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm leveling everything up. I actually understand the stats now that I'm playing it when I'm an adult that has experience with video games. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really amusing when like, we're all, when I'm like mining away and there's a whole bunch of, you played it, right? Nope. You didn't play it? You, based on that reaction, I assumed you'd played it. Nope. Have you ever played it? I know what it is. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've watched over someone's shoulder for a few minutes yeah. before. So, like, I was, like, mining along, and there's a whole bunch of people, other people mining, and I was like, so who here is in their early to mid-20s? And all of them were like, me. Because <laughs> it's literally, because I'm playing old school roommate. Not right. Old, yeah, old roommate. Old school old RuneScape, school which roommate. is, like, what was there back in, like, 2002 when mm-hmm. I was playing it. Um, doesn't two no more like two thousand four. Yeah, um, I was like seven, that, eight, nine. That seems like the era late elementary school for me was when I was hearing about it. A yeah, lot, at least so like, and like we would just like talking about like because uh it used to be root that and then like it evolved a lot, but then they just released on like you can like download the player to play old school RuneScape, mm-hmm. and the only people that are on there are mid early to mid twenties people who like me are just like eh, nostalgia and we we're all just like hey remember when this thing was like super overpowered hey remember when none of us knew how to use stats hey like remember all this stuff and it, it's just so much fun it's the community that i'm really into okay and also just like it's more of like fixing how bad i was when i played it okay <laughs> uh i think that's pretty much all i've done you watched another episode of titans oh yes my titans update i must do that I'm going to start doing that between my Watchmen Up to and uh, news. Okay. Because it's its own segment for now. Yeah. Uh, Titans update. Uh, it continues. The Each episode starts terribly. And I did, actually haven't said this in the past, but like this one is really epitomized of it. Um, it starts just terrible to where I'm just like, I am just, I'm like on my phone and I'm ignoring this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they do like just enough okay at the very end. To make me want to watch the next episode. This one happened to be a really cool fight um, that you actually see. Like, uh, Robin's fights are really good. They do hand-to-hand fight pr- like pretty good, pretty well. Okay. A um, few things that I'm really pissed off about. Beast Boy can only turn into a tiger for some reason, and the tiger CGI is fucking atrocious. Of course. Um, Starfire's powers are wrong. Uh, Raven's powers are confusing and Unless they can explain that that is her soul self, wrong. As far as I can understand it, her powers basically consist of a collection of horror movie tropes. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Uh, the atomic family is dead, or the nuclear family is dead. I'm surprised they lasted that long. I'm pretty sure they lasted like one or two volumes back in like the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not 1970s. That was The Outsiders, 1985. First appearance was an Outsiders one, which was 1985. Okay. Um... 
that was right around the time that the new Teen Titans, because this is based heavily heavily off the new Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was around the time that the new Teen Titans renamed themselves, or re- the, the store, the title, the comic renamed itself to the Tales of the Teen Titans, mm-hmm. Tales of the New Teen Titans at forty one, and then changed back, um, and then it spun off with another Teen Titans. So it had like Tales of the Teen Titans, New Teen Titans Volume Two, and then Outsiders. Oops, I just hit the fuck out of that mic. Well done. And like a whole bunch of stuff. Cause like Marv Wolfman and George Perez made the teen Titans super popular in the mid eighties. Like so popular. Uh, but so they're, they're dead. It was kind of an amusing death because like, it's like suicide squatty where they're all bombing their head and there's one guy in charge mm. and like Dick Grayson showed up at the guy's house and he was just like, well, they failed. So he hit the button and killed him, which was pretty good. Like the guy didn't have like, he was just like, pfft. They failed. Fuck them and just set it down and just didn't think twice about it, make a big deal huh. about it or anything. Um, and before Dick left the Teen Titans with the, them strapped up, he was like, don't kill them at Starfire. And I was like looking at her. And then like he hits the button and they're like, well, shit. And then like it explodes. Their heads explode. And the Starfire walks. It's like, oh, man, Dick's going to think I did it. <laughs> Which is actually pretty amusing. That's good. That's but good. so I mean, it's just it's just barely holding on to me. Okay, like still better than Iron Fist. Still so much. It's so much. It's so much better than Iron Fist. Like the acting is marginally better. The plot mm-hmm. is about the same, uh, but the fight is significant. The fighting is significantly okay. better. Not better than season two, though. I will say that. Okay. Not yeah. even season one. Seen... Season one is shit. Yes, it's the worst. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so the only news I have is the Avatar have the sequel names. Oh, yep. Avatar the Way of Water. Avatar the Seed Bearer. Avatar the Tolkien Rider. Avatar the Tolkien. 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 Tolkien the Rider. Tolkien. Tolkien. J-R-R. J-R-R. Yeah. Uh, and then Avatar the Quest for Awa. So I know what none of that means. It all oh. seems kind of weirdly, weird, weirdly sexual. I was I was going to say they all sound like the direct-to-DVD sequels, except each one has a $250 million budget. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, that's that. No one gives a shit. They changed, I, they changed their font from the papyrus font. That's good. I, no one cares. What, why? I don't actually think I care, so. No one cares. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so what do you have? Uh, there's a new, like, full-length True Detective Season 3 trailer. Um, we actually get some more details about the story. It's, Mahershala Ali, again, is is going to play the detective this time around. Because um, you know how True Detective works? Nope. It's like an anthology. anthology. Each season's Each a se- yep, different story. Now, yeah. I didn't know which what you were asking worked. She's like, do you know how the show works? And I'm like, I have a basic understanding of how the <laughs> film was made. So they have this thing called a camera. <laughs> and they, they set that up and there's Break these people down called the actors. <laughs> this, is a, this is a general Hollywood episode for when Andrew's here. Yes. <laughs> we should do that. Uh, yeah, just like just like explain the very basics. Yeah, it would actually probably be interesting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so it looks like they're going a lot back to what they did in season one, where it's kind of a rural setting and it's set over a long period of time. Um, because the first season's set in rural Louisiana and the story takes place over seventeen years. Oh my god! Over eight episodes, which sounds terrible, but it actually really works. Uh-huh. Um, because there's lots of flashing back and forwards in it is sort of more about the characters and yeah. the toll their world takes on them and stuff. Uh, so this one looks like it's doing a little bit more like that. Cause you see young Mahershala Ali and then white haired Mahershala Ali. Um, 
so it looks superficially similar, but it looks like they're using some different framing devices. They're having him being interviewed. Um, it looks like they're going to be investigating some themes of memory or something. Like maybe he has Alzheimer's or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks like the details are actually going to be kind of different and it looks like they might take it in some interesting directions. Okay. Uh, it's a really good show and it's HBO and there's a lot of talented people involved. So I have great faith that this is going to be really good and Mm -hmm. I want to see Mahershala Ali get to be the leading man finally and like something high profile. So even more excited for this now, I think. Okay. Uh, the only other thing I had is apparently they're making a Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. Oh, there's several of that stuff. There's also, they're also doing probably a trilogy of, uh, Rick Grimes movies now that he's out of the show and he survived and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, Breaking Bad movie with Jesse. Yep. Almost certainly a sequel with Jesse. I don't think that's officially confirmed, but. I think this could actually be a good movie. Like it's not like, cause there's definitely some loose ends. Like if in as much as like potentially just. He's moved on with his life, but then shit comes back up. Yeah. And, like, so it's not about him making meth. It's him, like, taking care of things. Like, maybe he's got a family that he's got to, like, protect from his past kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, he's got Definitely an interesting movie that... Throw in some PTSD stuff. Yeah, and... and you do not have to explain his past. Everyone knows his past. Right. If you're going to watch a Breaking Bad movie, why would you have not seen Breaking Bad? Yeah. And he's, like... I, I think he's the real soul of the first of like the actual show yeah. is it the same show as like the showrunner and same director? yeah it's it's vince gilligan's doing okay. it again and he's this could be a really good this could be the first movie based on a show not the first that's actually good i think serenity is good that's the firefly movie oh that's right but it's typically something that never really works out and this looks like well, it I mean... might be something that could i think this is going to be in it this will be the first time i mean, honestly this will be like the first time not like the best, but like this will be kind of the first time this happens where you have a show that you stop. Not that it was canceled. You've made mm-hmm. your concise show. Right. And then you just do a movie and both can be fucking amazing. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. I I am excited. It sounds like the fan community is a little divided, but I think that with Vince Gilligan involved and with the potential that we just mm-hmm. be us our way into a good story right there. Yeah. It's literally how we, what we do. Exactly. Also, they should totally have a uh, zombie Heisenberg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. It's the math. <laughs> We're going to cook meth. Anyway, moving anyway. on. Any other news? No, oh, that's what you said. Uh, there is a slight thing. Uh, Arrow John Barrowman confirms season seven return. Also, I want to point out the fact that he, so he played, uh, Merlin slash Dark Archer slash the Wizard. I don't know who any of those in the people first are. season. He's basically the only Green Lantern or Green Arrow villain that's actually like a good villain. Okay, he was he was what made season one good compared to the rest of the seasons because uh, then from then on they just went like with Batman villains and okay. it just became garbage. Um, I want to point out his last name is Barrowman. You take away the B and it's just Arrow Man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but honestly, this could make season man. seven good. Huh? Cause he'd be the arrow man. He would be the arrow man. Yeah. Anyway. Arrow man. But I think that, uh, I think that could make the show good. He's I'm pretty sure that's him. I just see his picture. I don't even know. I stopped paying attention to everything. I kind of refuse to believe that those shows 
ever have been good or ever will be good again. Season one is actually decent. I watched about the first eight episodes and had to stop because it was so bad. Of uh, Arrow? Yeah. I also watched it when it first came out, so might have been. When you were a filthy casual. When I was a filthy casual. That's true. Yep. But everything else beyond that is fucking garbage, and they're ruining everything, and I hate them, and they need to stop. Um, You've heard my rant the past shorter, two short, weeks. Shorter rant. Yeah. More, more self-contained rant today. I appreciate that. Okay, so this so. week. Nutcracker's coming out. For some reason. Is that for some reason that it's coming out this early, or that they made it? Mostly that they made it. Yeah. So what's wrong with this Nutcracker? Oh, God, I had snot in my sinus just, like, make its way into my nose and it hurt. <laughs> so, Matt, what's wrong with this? Uh, We didn't watch it. No. We're not going to. Of course not. <laughs> but we saw a trailer, and that was enough to spike emotions. Yeah. This is... This is about the most purposeless movie I've ever heard of. <laughs> like... <laughs> There's so, no fucking point. You're doing a a, <laughs> a a movie adaptation, and just to get to our theme of our episode, we're, you're doing basically a gritty reboot of a beloved of, ballet. But one of the most beloved ballets, one of the most iconic things related to Christmas. Yeah, like just you take this icon of a Christmas ballet. And you turn it into a generic into fantasy a, action adventure movie? You turn it into a Guardians of Narnia. Guardians of Narnia. Guardians of Gahul slash Narnia. I was thinking a little more Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Like stuff the, like that. The pretty reboot version. Why? Is it. So do we know if it is just the same similar plot or is it like a follow up to what happened? Uh, It looks from the trailer. That it's very loosely based on the original ballet. So in the original ballet, uh, she gets sucked into a magical world, and there's an evil rat king, yep. and there's the handsome prince, and, and there's a sugar plum fairy. The sugar plum fairy. He fights the rat prince, and they die. Like the rat king dies immediately, and then they sit on a couch and, and watch dancers dance, from all yeah. the other realms for for like the, the whole second half of the ballet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's a great ballet. And there's a lot of really good music in there. Yeah. But. <laughs> it made, it made, it, it's a beloved, it works, the ballet works because pretty much the full point of it was to watch people do different styles of dance. Right. And put music to it. Yeah. It was Tchaikovsky, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was basically just like, Tchaikovsky made this music, Tchaikovsky wrote it first, right? Wrote the music and then the ballet came later. Uh. If I'm not mistaken. Well, usually when you write a ballet, you're, like, writing the music based on it. Because it's based on an actual story. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if it's, like, a short story or a children's story or something. I think something. it's a short story because it might have just been, like, yeah, he killed the Rat Queen and that was the end of the story. Yeah. And they were just like, well, we have, like, another hour to fill. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let the choreographers do some stuff. Yeah. So, so that's basically what made that, like, it, it does, it's fine. It's all the dancing. That's what, you get what you get when you go to a ballet. Yeah. A decent you, story and then a bunch of dancing you don't music. You don't go to a ballet for intricate plot. Yeah. That's opera. Yeah. Oh my god, Edward Onyegin? Or Eugene Onyegin? <laughs> god damn, did I ever tell you that story? Yep. So I was like super into this girl that was in ballet and she was going to be in that thing. She was like, hey, you should come watch me in Edward Onyegin, or Eugene Onyegin. I don't know why I would say Edward. So I like took Gage and we went. And like for the first like maybe 20 minutes, it was definitely just there to support her and like 
potentially right. get on like brownie points and stuff. Right. But by the second act, Gage and I were like, or like after the intermission, Gage and I were up in the balcony, like in our full suits, like up in a fetal position here going, <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, <laughs> like super into this opera. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Anyway. Uh, so that's a long-winded way of saying we're talking about gritty reboots yes! today. <laughs> gritty reboots. Now, Matt, what's your definition of a gritty reboot? Um, honestly, I've been thinking about this, and my definition is a little shaky. I'm not gonna say this is hard and fast what a gritty reboot is, mm-hmm. but broadly speaking, it's something. It's an attempt to take a well-known, iconic property and present it in a new form uh ostensibly for a more mature audience and it does that by making bringing in darker themes and darker cinematography and more violence and moral ambiguity uh apparently to aim at like a more adult audience um all right i pretty much go with that okay so, well, I think the pro- the problem that we were having at the end of our last episode, and we were discussing like after the mm, episode, we were discussing right. what this is going to be about, is like what the definition of a reboot is. Right. To me, it's basically like you're redoing the story, like changing aspects of the story, maybe make it more like topical or like more modern. So that sounds like more like a remake to <clears throat> me. That I think you might be right on that because like yeah. th- I've I've never really been clear on or hadn't in the past really been clear on what a soft reboot is. Is basically like keeping continuity but like restarting kind of yeah it's a really vague meaning there's a whole and they do it a lot in comics yeah it's just like we're doing a soft reboot it's like why it's like so we can renumber to number one so that we can get more money for people buying the issue number one it's like wow thanks dc doing that three times in the past decade yep woo um (laughs) two times what oh because marvel did it is doing it marvel is also doing it. so comics just in general have done it three times in the past get it together comics anyway yeah, all that to say. Reboots. So I think I think, and I think most people who think about this think that Batman Begins started this, and you took umbrage at that. Wholeheartedly disagree. Okay, I want to so hear this. So people talk about a lot how, like, like, okay, basing on our definition on that, it's taking a okay. beloved thing and making it more darker tone and more gritty. Yeah, I should throw Bat- in. I should throw in that also generally means a little more grounded. Batman's a relatively grounded villain or hero this is true. in general. Also, post nineteen eighty nine, with a combination of Nightfall Saga and Dark and Batman uh, from nineteen eighty nine. Did mm-hmm. I say sixty nine? No. Okay, nineteen eighty nine. Batman returned back to his really dark and gloomy. Like he was starting to make that return after mm-hmm. like sixty six. Um, yeah, year one is dark. So and... like it started to make that return to just. Being consistently dark because your one was like nineteen. It was mid eighties. Eighty seven, I want to say. Yeah, because that was that was right after Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, because there was a. It started to. It. I mean, it it's it had started to make its decline back into darkness, mm-hmm. right before Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. which was nineteen eighty five. Um. So it it been like about a f- five year journey to being gritty. Okay. So then. It returns to being gritty in the 90s, super gritty with, like, his death. Extreme 90s. And then in 2008... Eight? Five. Five. uh, 2005, they do Batman Begins, Mm -hmm. which is just a really good adaptation of it. Okay. So people claiming that that's a gritty reboot are people who are... Okay. 
casuals, unless they're correcting me on it, in which case they're filthy casuals because you're correcting someone who knows significantly more than they are. That is mansplaining, actually. Filthy right. casuals are people that mansplain comics. Okay. There we go. That's my clear definition. If you are, if you mansplain comics, you are a filthy casual or anything like with a fan base. Um, so like the people who think that's a gritty reboot are the people that had a prior conception of Batman being Adam West and goofy. Okay. Had not really been aware that the comics and the movies had returned to gritty generally for the past 15 years. What? I'm going to push back pretty heavily and remind you of Batman forever and Batman and Robin. Okay. Comics. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm going to disagree. No, I do. I know. I do understand yeah. that. Yeah, I I tend to forget those movies. <laughs> I think most people try to. Um, those did so. Like following the success of Batman and Batman Forever Returns, Returns. Batman and Batman Returns, there was definitely like, uh, who directed Robin? Schumacher. Schumacher. I'm sure he was the kind of person that grew up with the goofy Batman mm-hmm. and then took the opportunity to return it back to that. Yeah. To, like, bring it back to Root. So, like, I can see that. Mm-hmm. However, we talked about, like, I kind of consider a gritty reboot basing on something that's, like, lighter. Okay. Because those were definitely not light. They definitely they had the dumb jokes and they were, like, weird and kooky. There was some darkness in them, yeah. Yeah, but, like, they weren't, like, the sugar plum fairy and, like, no. the little, the toys dancing for okay. her. I, I think there's a fundamental difference in our definitions, because I think that a thing can be a gritty reboot, even if something is pretty dark beforehand. I think mine is just the fact that I'm reaching from the comics. Yeah, um, and I, I recognize your point. I've shit. read some mid-80s Batman comics, and it's always pretty dark, and pointed out batman 89 the burton stuff that's all dark the batman animated series is relatively dark it's, for kids series yeah no it really is like anything uh you've got that and you've got the uh you got batman brave and the bold you got the batman mm-hmm. um you've got justice league which is like like that's the lightest batman you have because you get like the moments where he's like infatuated with wonder woman right but he's still pretty goddamn dark yeah yeah <laughs> so like just Everything else is, like, saying, look, Batman's dark. And then this right. one does get gritty as, like, grounded. And yeah. the whole point of it, the, the the motif is fear. Right. So, yeah, let me let me finish my point. No! Which is... <laughs> <laughs> no! Basically, keep interrupting basically you. twofold. The, the, the main memory of Batman that most people had before that was the Schumacher movies. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that the comics were darker at that point. And yeah. I'm not saying that Nolan didn't take inspiration from that. Oh, yeah. He, like, he very explicitly did. Year one. Yeah. That was basically all year one. Yeah, he took a lot of stuff from year one. And uh, Long Halloween, there's some thematic stuff that goes into the Dark Knight. And, mm-hmm. um, he was very clear about that. Uh, but so that was that was the most recent memory people had of Batman, really. And then the superhero movies that had come along before then also, like they're not sugar plum fairy, but the original Spider-Man movies and the original X-Men movies, um, Catwoman. It's a mix of like normal superhero darkness where it's just, there's a little bit of angst, but there there's heroics and goodness and good. All these triumphs over evil. And maybe a little goofiness, a la Daredevil yeah. or 
Catwoman to bring that one back up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I <laughs> please stop. So you I just kind of like night. keep stabbing me in the gut every time you bring back Catwoman. <laughs> Remember Catwoman? That sure was a bad move. Like it's and it's not even like a really yeah stabbing. It's just kind of like you take a knife and just like push it a little bit into my kidney, and you're just like yeah, and yeah. kind of like twist it a little bit. You're yeah. like and you're bleeding out. Yep. Jerk. Uh, so I would classify Batman Begins as a gritty reboot then because not necessarily it took a non-gritty Batman and made him gritty, but it brought a grounded Batman to the forefront of the cultural imagination and because it grounded the superhero genre. Because you look at the superhero properties that happened after that, Iron Man is very grounded, mm-hmm. relatively dark. Um, Man of Steel was very much just like, let's Batman Begins Superman. Yeah. Uh, even the menu is like, let's get a darker, more street-level yeah. version of these characters. And I think there's some real clear inspiration in some of that from Batman Begins. I'm thinking of the doc taxi, scene. The, doc scene yeah. the, the taxi bay fight from Daredevil Season yeah. 1. Stuff like that. I think So I think it counts as a gritty reboot because it functioned as one. And it also kicked off a whole wave of it. Yeah. Which I have a list of some stuff. So I've talked about this super... Oh, I forgot about Fant Stick. Yeah. That also sort of counts as a gritty yeah. reboot. <laughs> um, but yeah, in non in non uh, superhero stuff, we've got Red Riding Hood yep. and Nutcracker yep. and the Russell Crowe Robin Hood mm-hmm. and Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Planet of the Apes trilogy even is kind of really? a gritty reboot. Sort of. I mean, like technically they're prequels, but it's also taking... Sort of a, I mean, it's a serious sci-fi franchise, but not a heavy sci-fi franchise yeah. and putting a much darker spin on it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the Godzilla. Maleficent was a little bit. Maleficent was a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Godzilla was, is kind of an interesting path. It started like horror and terrifying and then it uh-huh. went to weird seeing Godzilla dance and then he had an animated show where right. got, like him like that meme where it's him with the sunglasses going that's not cash money yo or whatever he says yeah like that weird and then it brought it back to just like the playing the Claire de Lune with monsters right I'm so I love that trailer just like I real don't. side note <laughs> <laughs> but next time I watch it I'll change my mind I've watched that trailer I watched that trailer every month or so Mm-hmm. And every time I completely change my opinion. Last time I watched it, I didn't like it. Huh. Next time I'll probably really like it. Yeah. But that first, like the first Godzilla trailer for the Godzilla 2014 with the Leggetti Requiem, the. What was that again? Uh... <laughs> One more time for the kids. Uh... This is a great podcast. <laughs> Fun. This Wait, is... real quick. I want to just shout out to both my friend Stevie and our friend Daniel because yep. they both express interest in listening. So if they're listening, hi, Stevie and Daniel. If not, hi anyway. I don't know. We're no, so lonely. We're ignoring them if they're okay. not listening. They're dead to us. Sorry. Anyway. I'm not sorry. I don't even know. I think it's so many sidetracks in this. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think Godzilla is sort of it brings it back down to a more grounded level. It's explicitly trying to be as grounded as you can make a giant monster movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and it definitely takes a much darker tone. Like you look at even the cinematography. Yeah. And... It's just dark. Yeah. Just generally dark. Yeah. Like literally dark, not, not thematically or tonally dark. It's just dark. Right. <laughs> um, and we talked about horror reboots a little bit last week, but the Halloween is like almost a gritty reboot of Halloween. Yeah. Cause it is, it is a reboot, but it, it, 
I haven't seen it, but it apparently completely changes his backstory, like brings him from a terrible home abusive upbringing type of deal and really uh, tries to humanize him a little bit. Like, but is then this also this Halloween? Like this new one? No, the, oh, the, the 2007. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This one is, this one's more of a soft reboot type yeah. thing where it's within the continuity, but it's trying to bring it back to yeah. its roots and make it yeah. something coherent but yeah so basically my point is batman begins caused a lot of trouble because a lot of people saw that and saw dark knight make a billion dollars and were like okay well we just imitate this model because apparently people like stuff because it's gritty and most of those movies were kind of terrible and flopped Mm -hmm. um planet of the apes trilogy i think is genuine genuinely great um i really liked godzilla i'm looking forward to the sequel yeah even though i currently hate the trailer um and a lot of, I think a lot of the superhero stuff, it's been hit or miss. Man of Steel's iffy. Yeah. Uh, Fant Four Stick is a little below iffy. Yeah. It's like Iron Fist levels, from what I understand. I don't know, man. We haven't seen it, and we're going to yeah. do it for Booze and Booze after we fucking release our first Booze and Booze. I'm supposed to edit that, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, I'm also supposed to edit Drunk Master vs. Yeah. I'll, I'll remember eventually and work Me on too. it. We'll get it eventually. Yeah. Maybe instead of playing RuneScape, I can do that. Yeah, there you go. Eh, I like playing RuneScape because right. it's pretty mindless and I can watch Critical Goal while doing it. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Anyway. Um. But Iron Man was good. Yeah. And that was, we, we've talked about this a few episodes ago. That was a great way to start that universe. Yeah. Bring it back to Grounded and then build from there. Yeah. Uh. The menu has also been a really successful tone shift now that the mcu has kind of gotten going mm-hmm. keeping it like giving a grounded alternative um so, so does a successful gritty reboot depend just purely on if the movie's good um i don't like think... if the nutcracker movie is actually just a genuinely good movie would you forgive it for existing i think that there's a fundamental issue there that it's not good going to be genuinely good because it shouldn't exist okay like a lot of most of these seem like they were an attempt just to cash in on the gritty reboot phenomenon yeah um but i have a theory about where gritty reboots actually come from psychologically that i want to run by you okay so all this sort of pop culture comics stuff was pretty out of the cultural mainstream for a long time basically mm-hmm. since it began it was kind of the the purview of nerds and geeks and uh during wartime it was really popular yeah like general. way back during wartime okay yeah. but basically from the 50s through the 90s or early aughts or if you if you take the word of uh what's that terrible show big bang theory um <laughs> Apparently that's all nerds care about is that sort of stuff. And it was seen as sort of a marginalized subculture. And then something changed and I'm not entirely sure what it is. I think a big part of it is that we finally figured out how to make superhero movies Mm -hmm. and make them good and had the effects to actually make like a great Spider-Man movie, for example. Uh, And that suddenly brought what had been this marginalized subculture into the mainstream and brought a lot of creative people who had been part of that subculture growing up into the mainstream now that they're adults. And I think that among these people, there was there were some of them that were like, okay, I really want to share this with the world, but because I was marginalized for so long, I'm embarrassed about it. And this isn't like a conscious thing. This is more unconscious. Mm-hmm. 
So I need to make it more mature and more adult so that I can feel like it's a legitimate thing that people will appreciate and respect. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's at least part of where the, some of the, at least some of the post Batman begins gritty reboots come from. I think Batman begins is actually an anomaly because Christopher Nolan is much more just like a singular vision kind of guy. And he's drawing from, as you mentioned, an actually relatively dark pre that moment, Batman Mm -hmm. mythos. But I I, believe during that, Around 2005, there was Shadow of the Bat going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, wait. So, 2005. 2009 was Final Crisis. This was after. This was before Batman died. So, mm-hmm. he was definitely in, like, around that time, like, during Final Crisis, between Infinite and Final Crisis. Infinite was four. Mm-hmm. Final Crisis was nine. Batman was a dick. So, like, in Final Crisis, there was a, there's a moment at the very beginning of Final Crisis where it's Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman talking. And Superman's talking about, like, uh, well, what have you done or something? Like, you got to, like, inspire people, not fear them. And, like, uh, Bat- or Batman's just like, I mean, you're one to talk. Last time you inspired anyone was when you were dead. Which is like, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just, like, an epitome of just, like, what Batman was like in the early mm-hmm. 2000s, like, early mid-2000s. He was just an asshole. <laughs> he's exactly what he is now which is just so dark and just hates everyone Mm -hmm. so that's like for me as someone from comics bringing this back to that is that like christopher nolan's was no different right it was just dark and angry and he just wants to beat the living crap out of people yeah i think he just wanted to tell a good batman story that's what he had to draw from he knew that it made sense to keep it grounded for yeah what the story wanted to tell. And I think people saw that as an excuse. So I think that's part of the phenomenon. I think that psychological, like I'm embarrassed to show sort of the classic campy comic style in stuff. tights with yeah. my underwear showing in tights with ridiculous superpowers and weird cosmic yeah. rules and stuff. So I think that's a part of it. Um, so I actually think that we got to see this in action in a really self-contained example. Harry Potter. First two movies are really light and cheerful. Yeah. Because, and that's the audience that started out with those first books is relatively young. Mm-hmm. Like, I um, I started reading those, I think, after the second book came out. Mm-hmm. So I was probably like five. And Good it, Lord. I, I started reading very young. That's <laughs> my random superpower. You nerd. I know. Um. <laughs> But uh, it was basically what a loser reads. <laughs> it was basically like people from that age up to like early teens got in on the ground floor, and then they were invested. And so they matured along with the series. They grew into adults along with the series. So naturally, the series is going to get darker and more adult, just because of the in-universe story. They're mm-hmm. getting older. The stakes are getting higher. But partly it's because also the audience is getting older. They want darker, more serious stuff. They feel like they need something more mature yeah to be treated as legitimate and mainstream so i think it's i mean sort that of kind of station of that that kind of went in tandem with the fact that some, with something like magic like that mm-hmm. you with with magic to it to to make seven eight movies and like make it seem like it's not stagnant and like increase the stakes mm-hmm. the stakes have to get to 
world-ending magic shit going on. Yeah. And you can't really do that with a happy attitude. Yeah. You gotta go, like, dude has no nose, he's bald, and he wants to murder everyone. Yeah. Like... <laughs> you gotta... You gotta... Yeah. And I, I think there are a lot of in-universe reasons. But, like, even the cinematography and stuff, it all... Yeah. It all looks like the gritty reboots. The, and there's mu- a the lot music of... that, like, the... You, like, mm-hmm. through the... Pretty much the entirety of uh, Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows... You, they haven't taken a shower yeah basically it's just it's literally literally gritty and yeah it, it takes everything it can to just make it darker yeah the skies are gray constantly there's yep. wind there's storms there's <laughs> dark like all the like the uh um expelliarmus used to be kind of a bright blue but now it's like a really dark blue pretty much like it's always red but because mm-hmm. When they do the one thing and they hit each other, it's always green versus red. I swear there was blue. There's there's other spells that are blue. Patronus, do you I'm, mean? This is next episode. This is yeah. the next episode thing. We're talking right. about Harry Potter next episode. Yeah. Shit, I gotta watch all the movies. Eh, it's gonna be fun. I got some movie. About a movie a day. Yeah. Eight movies. Yeah. Get a few in a weekend. Probably yeah. watch a couple tomorrow. Get one every night. Yeah. We can do that. We can do that. No oh, man, that's gonna be busy. Anyway, anyway. Ah, back to <laughs> back to gritty. Yeah, so yeah, no, I do agree that God, I hit the mic so many times. I agree that Harry Potter definitely was like a gritty reboots as it goes. Yeah, like it's not technically a gritty reboot; it's the same story, but you see functionally those same trends. Yeah, it's gritty rebooting its tone. Yeah, throughout the series, just out of necessity. It was definitely one, two, and then three was like, Wah! yeah. Four was interesting. Five was just like, oh, okay, we're dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think another example of this uh, is actually Game of Thrones, which that has been dark all along, but my argument is that that's a gritty reboot of Lord of the Rings. I'm going to argue that... Nope, no, yeah, no, you're pretty much right. It's a lot more grounded. Yeah so to speak like it's not it's not a reboot of the same property i'm not yeah no i'm not making some crazy it's taking it's taking that level of fantasy and making it darker yeah and i think it's also a part of the maturation of the audience because lord of the rings movies came out in the early aughts yep so you think about the people who are probably watching that you're gonna get a lot of young teen fans exactly like i'm raising my hand right yeah i grew up 10 years i grew up seeing those movies in theaters and i grew up watching those all the time i'm not gonna say i didn't see him a lot either <laughs> like i was literally like when we were the 14 hour drive from georgia to oklahoma mm-hmm. i would watch the fight scenes just on repeat yep it was ridiculous yeah and then i'm like i'd watch the fight scenes and then i'd go back and watch them all the way through but i'd skip frodo and sam because mm-hmm. <laughs> they were always boring to me right because you're a little kid yeah you don't get it yeah um yeah and so those people grow up and 10 years later they're in their 20s they're like oh wait the real world is not just this nice archetypical story about good and evil there's moral nuance and i want there's more gray area i want my fantasy stuff because i grew up with that and i'm nostalgic about it and it's a big part of who i am yeah but i want it to feel more mature and so i can share it with the world and so naturally we got game of thrones starting in 2011 and it's the same scope of fantasy yeah uh but it's much more grounded and much darker and much more thematically mature and of course the books came a long time before like this i think the first one came out in 90 maybe 1990 yeah 
long time ago. But but they saw this opportunity and they were right. like, hey, there's this material. We could just right. use this to satisfy what we need. Those books would have been just like well-regarded fantasy books that never really went anywhere. Yeah. Except we needed a gritty reboot of Lord of the Rings. That George was R. R. Martin thanks with his life this trend <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah i think i think game of thrones is another manifestation of that phenomenon yeah um and i think so i think i got sidetracked on trying to answer the question when is a gritty reboot good <laughs> yeah basically like is well no the question was like does a good movie forgive a gritty reboot okay yeah yeah uh and so i think there are a lot of good gritty reboots and I think those are typically the ones that see themselves first and foremost as telling a good story. Uh-huh. So Batman begins is the Uber example of this. Yeah. It's just Christopher Nolan's like, I'm going to tell a good Batman story. It just so happened that it ended up being the first gritty reboot. Yeah. Uh, although some people argue actually that the 2003 Hulk movie is the first gritty reboot. I'm going to go ahead and say that's a no. Yeah. That's a no from me there, buddy. I don't think I buy that. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that point um, in case one of our many, many commenters pointed it out. Yeah, the internet's a pretty harsh place. Yeah. Well, you guys are commenting all these mean things. I know. I wish we had enough people to have a harsh comment section. Yeah, right? I would love to have a segment where we just read hate mail. Yeah. And, like, just shit on them for being wrong. Yep. Like, I would love to have filthy casuals comment on my dc knowledge that'd be great and then just destroy them with like instagram posts of like actual panels that disprove them yep i would love that guys start hating us tell your enemies tell your yeah (laughs) there we go we're gonna start saying that we're gonna like focus on trying to get us to be a hated podcast okay i think that's a more that would be more successful because like ah then we gotta say controversial stuff we have an episode about that coming up that we do yeah yeah we do That'll be fun. This is good. Yeah. This is good. Start start hating us. Get people that you hate to listen to us. Get people that you like to come listen to us because they think we'll be bad. There we go. Do that more often. Yep. We're pretty much at the Shalsby, aren't we? I'm getting sidetracked from answering this question. Yeah, so I apparently Shalsby? just don't want let me let me try. Okay. Let me try. Um <laughs> He's contorting himself in a very odd manner. Yeah. I'm glad you were away from the mic for that that shriek. <laughs> i'm Um, losing it guys yeah i think it's 1007 i think a lot of those gritty reboots were just an attempt to capitalize on the phenomenon the ones that weren't usually had a purpose or i think they're the ones that were coming from people i think i think mostly the imitators are ones that that don't work i think the ones that the people that actually want to present a more mature version of something that they grew up with and really loved Mm -hmm. so iron man i think worked really well because it's more of that game of thrones and harry potter in as much as those are examples those are great uh a lot of the imitators don't work i think fant four stick was like let's do that and man of steel was like let's do darker dark knight style superman and it sort of worked like probably could have made a decent movie out of Uh that material that script at least um i think it also stands that it succeeds if the material can afford to be gritty. That's a really good point. Take I'd, Nutcracker, for example. That one has no, no one reason. fucking wanted a gritty reboot of that. Yeah, you want to tell a gritty fantasy story? Make up something new. You know, I never 
I've I've seen Nutcracker. Like a group of us went yeah. to see. I don't know if you went. with I us. did not go, but I have seen the ballet. We went to see the oh, saw the ballet at OU, and I can almost I I can tell you with utmost certainty. Walking out, I was like, I did not go. You know what I should have seen now? Murder. <laughs> I would have loved to see some murder in that ballet. Nah. And then there was a person that was to my right that was like, idea for movie, and then went to write this movie. Yeah. That is not what happened, my enemies. Brief sidetrack. The gritty reboot of ballet was Rite of Spring. What? Rite of Spring. I don't know the... Stravinsky. The... Because that one's all about, like, human sacrifice. Oh, good. Yeah. On that note... On that note... Shall we? <laughs> human sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen. I actually, story. I actually want to respond to your point. Oh, my God. I think it's a really good point. I think it's a really good point. Like, the the amount that the material allows for grittiness, I think, works really well. So, Harry Potter, it's a more... It, this As the story matures, it allows for more grittiness, naturally, yep. as the characters grow up. Game of Thrones, that's a gritty... The Lord of the Rings was gritty as it is, so obviously it can get more gritty. Yeah, it's so. it's relatively gritty. And Game of Thrones is like, well, let's completely ground this and we'll take a lot of stuff from medieval history. Mm-hmm. Batman, that's a character that works really well if he's grounded. <laughs> no kidding! <laughs> Iron Man also works very well if he's grounded. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these other stuff, like Alice in Wonderland, did that need to be gritty? It could have. It was just a weird movie. Yeah. I honestly kind of like the first one, mm-hmm. but I it doesn't, it shouldn't exist. And there's nothing about the source material that Fan should make it. Forstick, from what I heard, can be a good, like, it, it's a combination of, like, it can handle being gritty and also if you just make a good movie. Yeah. I don't think, like, I know that they have I've heard that there's a characters. lot of tragedy with Fantastic Four yeah. that can do that. Yeah. But... I think you can do tragedy and not be gritty because they are a very out there sort of type of character. I can stretchy my flexo pants. Oh, bringing that back, are we? Yes, we are. <laughs> that did not go away. That has been what, like a solid 40 episodes since I've mentioned yeah, wow. it? Wow, yeah. I have not forgotten stretchy McFlexo pants. Oh, boy. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh no the fantastic four though they're they're more out there they have strange superpowers and they get their powers in a weird way so yeah. i don't think they lend themselves naturally the movie failed superman you can ground him a little more um like he is a little more out there with his powers but also he's got such a rich history that you yeah. got some grittier stuff you can pull from I just read Man for All Seasons. It's not gritty, but it's grounded. Well, the thing is, like, and even All-Star Superman, uh, like, is that the right one? I think so. Is that the one that he helps the girl who's about to commit suicide? Yeah. That's uh, okay. So, like, well, the thing with Superman is, like, you can't ground him immediately. Like, his comes from tragedy of, like having to deal with things as he gets more powerful, more powerful shit comes out. Uh-huh. So like he starts like kind of goofy and mm-hmm. happy go lucky. And then like Brainiac comes to destroy the world. And he's like, huh? Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> I still think that they need to do that. Yeah. For the movies, for people who are new to this, this podcast, my thing that they need to do for the DC movies is like after justice league, they were like Steppenwolf. Next step is dark side. And all the justice league knows it. 
But then the next Justice League movie, they're like, oh, God, there's a big monster coming. We can feel it. Must be Darkseid. And then it's Brainiac. And they're like, shit, what? <laughs> and then it's just like four Justice League movies of just different big villains. Like you get like Starro and Necron after you've gotten some good Green Lantern movies in I there. I would love to see a live action Starro. <laughs> like you just get like these big villains and then they're just like, oh, my God, Darkseid is coming and we don't know when. <laughs> yeah. Check out. That was episode 52, right? Yes. We talked about that. Check out episode 52 if you want to hear Preston's extended thoughts on that. Yep. We really need to wrap this up. All right. I think I'm finally out of things to say. Okay. I was on a roll. I was having fun there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We shall. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this gritty reboot of Just Us Losers, the podcast. You can find us on Facebook or not. We're also on Twitter at Just Us Losers. I'm really ashamed of you right now. Like I'm uncomfortable listening to this. <laughs> uh, see, this is this is our source material doesn't deserve to be gritty. There's no reason our to make us gritty. Doesn't exist. Doesn't deserve to exist. This is also true. <laughs> so it's doubly unjustified. Uh, no, but thanks for listening to this episode. You can find us on Facebook. Send uh, us your hate mail. Yeah, please do. Tell your enemies, also your friends. Just we want more listeners. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Justice Losers Pod. <laughs> I know. Like, please. <laughs> We say we we say it's just therapeutic, but we're getting so depressed seeing the low listen counts and stuff. Come on, people. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram where we are going to apparently post some weird pictures of a lady going, what? That's also at Justice Losers Pod. Uh, we have a Gmail if you want to send extended rants about whatever and want it to be private. That's justicelosers.pod at gmail.com. It won't be private because if you send it to us, we're fucking talking about it. Exactly. Uh, you can send us unsolicited screenplays that you want us to try to produce. I thought that was going somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you can also send us unsolicited offers for sexual favors. Uh, <laughs> those we will read out live on the air. <laughs> and your address. Uh, oh, yep. God. So... Uh, yeah, so next week, what were we talking about again? Oh, yeah, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. We're going to try to watch all the Harry Potter movies between now and then. It's going to be like a general kind of like review about everything. Yeah, we'll talk about the series a little bit and yeah. just our thoughts. We'll ramble. If you have any specific directions you want us to talk about Harry Potter, the universe, the movies. I want you to talk about West. You said directions. I'm going to refuse to address that. Uh, so yeah, if you got those thoughts, leave it at one or several of the places I just listed. Uh, I think that's, I think that's all I have to say. So thanks for listening. Bye. 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 I just posted all three things. Bye.